Go ahead and pick up Galatians chapter number 2 and uh, we'll take our morning message from there. It's good to be back in Australia uh, for just a short time. Feels like a bit of a missionary Sunday. Brother Pinero over there and Brother Alex and and uh, ourselves. Uh, it's good to be back. We all need home church. It'd be a terrible thing to come back and not have home church. So it's good to be back. Uh, it always encourages me just to uh, see many of you in your place, just sort of getting on with it. And, you know, I don't presume because you're faithful to the uh, the house of God that you haven't had challenges through the year or you haven't had difficult things or you haven't even had visitations of, you know, uh, am I going to be able to continue? Uh, but the fact of it is uh, you are here and uh, you keep going for the Lord. Uh, I called someone from the church this week who was on holidays and uh, we were just uh, talking on the phone and uh, about some health challenges they had. And I said, look, uh, your continuance uh, is a blessing. Just, just the fact that you keep going uh, despite it all is a blessing. So good to, to see you uh, in your place. Uh, good to hear that encouraging uh, uh, testimony of what happened with those uh, two people getting saved. And, uh, you know, when I hear that, it just, uh, it sounds like God. I just, I've seen, I've seen things like that uh, and uh, continue to see them on a, it happens every year uh, in our ministry. I'm sure Brother Jeremy would have stories like that as well, uh, where God has a for prepared somebody for the gospel. And, uh, and, uh, you know, let's not limit him in how he does that. Uh, I, you know, it, However he does it, he does it. Uh, what, what's important is that, they, is that they get saved. And so uh, that's a, that's a, it was very interesting to hear that. I, I don't doubt that God did work that way. Uh, I was in America, uh, I think it may have been earlier this year, and I was preaching in a church I'd never been to, um, you know, m- mid-size uh, church there on a midweek meeting, and I uh, finished preaching and uh, the pastor asked me to stand at the door so people could come by and every one of them and shake my hand. And uh, I carry hand gel, you know, that is in my, I, multiple bottles accompany me. And uh, anyway, I was standing at the door greeting people and a man came up to me, a coloured man, you know, in America, black man, and uh, came up to me, fine looking fellow. And I said, uh, he was just saying some encouraging things about the message. And I said, oh, how did, you, uh, how did you come to be at the church? And he said, well, it was a very unusual, uh, you know, he said, 13 years ago, he said, I was very successful in business and, and I was making money and lived not too far away from here and uh, doing very well. And he said, just, uh, you know, a lot of things started to go wrong in relationships and, and uh, despondency swept over him and... And uh, he had made plans to, uh, you know, to end his life. And he said, I I'd had all the, it was, you know, it was more detailed in telling me what he had done. And uh, he was up in his bedroom, uh, you know, uh, making his plans. And he said, uh, I heard a knock at the door. He said, no one knocks on my door. And he said, I thought, oh, you know, probably uh, Jehovah's Witness or something. And he said, I wasn't going to go down because I was going to do something else. And and he said, they knocked again. And he said, I, I went down. He said, there was an old, little old white-haired man there. 
And he said, I opened the door and he said, he began to talk to me and he began to preach Christ to me. And he said, I, I, I listened and, and uh, he said, it seemed like, you know, everything he said was just where I was at. And anyway, he said, I, <clears throat> I asked the man, where, 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 where are you from? And he said, I'm from the church that I was in, that Baptist church down the road. And uh, the man was relaying the story. So he said, okay, okay, I'll, I'll come. And he said, uh, the door closed and I walked away and he said, I thought, no, I, I need to just ask him, you know, something else. And he said, I went down and looked and I couldn't find him. He was gone. And he said, anyway, he said, I'll see him at church. So he said, I came to the church and he said, I sat through the service and he said, I got saved at the end of the service. And he said, I wanted to thank the man who, who came and knocked on my door and told me. And he said, I was asking everybody where he was and and describing him and, and he said nobody had ever heard of anybody like that in the church and he said I've been here 13 years and never seen anyone like that and never seen him anywhere else and he said I, I know it was this church he said and he says very unusual and you know I don't limit God to how he works in reaching people and uh, I think uh, you know he uses all kinds of things we've We've met people uh, in Thailand, a lot of stories like that where God was already working on them. All right, Galatians chapter number two. Uh, you know, as you study Galatians, there's a lot of, there's a lot of doctrinal things in it, I, I, I think. And I often find myself in Galatians pausing on verses, thinking, what does that mean? And, uh, and rereading it. What, is, what does that mean? And uh, what, is, what is he saying there? And it, honestly, it, 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 it goes beyond me, uh, which is not too difficult. It goes beyond me uh, fairly frequently. Uh, and I, you know, I get what I can get from other places. I say, well, I'll revisit that another time. Uh, but what I like here uh, in this part of Galatians that we read is uh, before sort of we get to some of the doctrinal things that are laid out here in Galatians, Paul tells a little bit of his own story. And I always, I always uh, find those things very interesting because when you listen to somebody's story, even if it's just a, you know, a story about this time in their life, it can illuminate a lot of other things around it. And, uh, and when you understand the background of what was going on, uh, it, it, at least for me, it particularly gets my attention. And, uh, and so Paul is relaying the story of when he went up to Jerusalem and met with folks up there to explain what he was doing. And you, you would have to understand Jerusalem as sort of being, uh, you know, I don't want to say head office, but kind of the hub of where everything initially had happened and was sent out from and, uh, and somewhat the place people reported back to. And so uh, he relays his story and and, uh, and, and just in doing so, uh, I, I saw a number of things here that I thought uh, were very important. You know, you can learn from somebody by watching what they do. Uh, a lot of the people who have influenced my life, the people who have taught me things, uh, I have learned from them by what they've said, but I've also learned from them by just watching what they do. And uh, their manner of life has instructed me. And sometimes in just watching what people do, uh, I've learned uh, that that's, that's wise to do that. I, I should do that. That's wise to do that. 
Uh, I remember, uh, you know, Brother Fisher, uh, when I first met him, a uh, number of things sort of stood out in his life to me over the years. But uh, one of the things that, that I latched on to fairly quickly was I noticed he never criticised anybody. Uh, he never criticised people who were criticising him. Uh, he never spoke uh, evil of anybody. Uh, he, he, never, he never demeaned anybody. He never, uh, he never wanted to tell you if somebody uh, had done something uh, uh, bad to him. And, and I watched him and that was just his manner of life. And he continues to be that way. And that was a very powerful lesson to me. Uh, I need to be like that also. Uh, I, I need to not, uh, not, not demean anybody, not say negative things about other people, uh, not try to uh, uh, pull down people who might be trying to pull down me. And his manner of life instructed me. And I think if you could go with Paul and uh, watch him, uh, his manner of life would teach you a lot of things too. Now, might I say, you need to have eyes to see these things. First of all, you need to have a desire to learn uh, because, you know, listen, in life, somebody's teaching you. So, So somebody's raising you. You are sitting at the feet of some teacher or teachers. You're being influenced by somebody in how you think, the way you behave, your understanding of appropriate conduct. You're getting your values from somewhere. And as Bible-based people, we want to have Bible values, but we want to learn. I want to elevate people who walk with God. I don't want to elevate them to the point that they're heroes who wear capes, who are men of steel. Because I know that, that that's, a, that's a comic book, that's not reality. And I know that even uh, the, the great people have their anomalies, they have their days, and, and we see that all through the Bible. But they're the people I want to learn from. I was telling brother, uh, Pastor Lloyd uh, this morning, I got a lovely letter from Dr. Tom Williams this week, and uh, just, a, just a nice letter. And uh, somebody read it. They said, oh, you should frame that. And uh, he's just been a, a, a dear preacher. If you, if you don't, some of you remember him from many, many years ago. Uh, he's 83 now, but he's still preaching the same things he's always preached. He's still strong and has the anointing of God. I want to learn from people like that. So there's some things here we can learn from Paul. Now, he, he tells his story. And to be honest, it really starts in chapter 1. And uh, he talks about his uh, conversion in uh, chapter 1, verse 16. And then he explains that uh, after his salvation, in verse number 17 of chapter 1, uh, he didn't go back to Jerusalem uh, to the apostles. Now, Paul himself is an apostle. Uh, I think he was God's choice to replace uh, Judas. And uh, at, at Paul's salvation... Uh, it says in verse 17, he went to Arabia, uh, the area of Arabia, into Damascus. And then verse 18, after three years, so now Paul has been saved and, and I, I think uh, being taught of God and learning Christ. Uh, after three years, chapter 1, verse 18, he did go up to Jerusalem. And uh, he, while he was there, uh, he saw Peter 
Now you know that Peter was an apostle also. So, so we have 12 apostles. They're, we don't have ongoing apostles. So if somebody claims to be an apostle, that's not biblical. Uh, an apostle had to be somebody selected of Jesus who had seen the risen Christ themselves. Uh, there are no more apostles today. There are many disciples, uh, but there are not apostles. So, so every apostle was a disciple, but not every disciple was an apostle. And so Paul is one of the 12. So there's a fairly unique group there. Think about that, 12 chosen people, Paul being uh, chosen by Jesus on the Damascus Road. Uh, and uh, so he goes up to, to Jerusalem and just see it playing out. He's gone back to the hub. And what he does is just a little comment here. Uh, he he uh, stays with Peter for 15 days. And what happened then? I, I don't know. Some I don't know. Uh, I suspect this, as you read the rest of it, I suspect that they were not, not entirely sure of Paul, but nor dismissive of him. It was just okay, uh, okay, and I'm sure he learned. There was a, probably some, but but 15 days with Peter in Jerusalem, and he makes the comment, and this is helpful to understand what comes after. He makes the comment in verse 19 of chapter one that while he was at Jerusalem, remember that's the hub, uh, he, only, he stayed with Peter and the only other apostle he saw, you see in verse 19, was James. So he's only had communication at a limited level with Peter uh, and he saw James and uh, you should be asking yourself, where were the rest? Okay, because, because there's a, a principle there which we'll touch on in a moment. But you should be saying, well, where were the rest? If he was up in Jerusalem and there was only two of them there, and if, if, if Paul is one, that means there's nine others uh, somewhere else. And, uh, and then he recalls the story. He then went back and he's out doing his ministry with the Gentiles. And then we get to chapter 2, which uh, our brother read. And he says, uh, then... 14 years after uh, I went up again to Jerusalem. And this time he takes Barnabas with him and Titus, who is not circumcised, is not, is not uh, of, uh, of, of uh, uh, the, uh, who's a Greek. And he takes him with him. Now, uh, what's going on here? And then we'll get to our bang, bang, bang. We'll get some practicality. What's going on here is you've got the church or the churches in transition. And the transition is this. It starts off as a, as a Jewish, uh, uh, you know, God reveals himself first to his own people. The Bible said of Jesus, he came unto his own, meaning his fellow Jews, uh, but they received him not. And uh, so in the beginning, and remember the ministry of Jesus was not Gentile focused. There was some exceptions, individuals uh, who, who he spoke to and who got saved. But the primary focus of the ministry of Jesus whilst on earth was the Jews. And he had to go through that. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, he did go through that up until they rejected him 
and, and, and said no to Jesus in a national kind of a way. They, they rejected their Messiah who had come up from them and was, and was sent to them by God. And so they rejected him. But even the preaching on the day of Pentecost, uh, which is just a few weeks after Jesus ascends up to heaven, the people getting saved at Pentecost uh, are speaking many different languages, but they're still Jewish people. The, 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 the majority of them uh, are up there to worship and participate in the Feast of Pentecost. So they're hearing uh, the gospel being preached in the, in the language of the areas that they come from, but we haven't got yet, even at Pentecost, a full immersion of the gospel to the Gentiles. That is, that is coming. There's a transition period. And everybody is having to adjust to what God is doing. Everybody's having to come to terms with the fact that, and I don't think they're fighting it, they're just trying to understand it. And they want to know that it is God, that, that, that for the first time, uh, the message of God, the gospel of God, the, the preaching of the kingdom is actually to go without Israel and, uh, and go to all kinds of other places. Paul has been preaching the gospel uh, to Gentiles, as well as Jews, but to Gentiles for these past 14 years. So, so what's going on? Well, uh, Peter's in Jerusalem, James at least years ago, doing whatever they were doing. Uh, Paul, the apostle, is in his area and he's working the works of God in his area, preaching to the Gentiles. And it's not until 14 years after that the time comes for Paul to go back to Jerusalem and tell them what God has been doing with him. So that's kind of the scenario here. And, uh, and uh, the practicality, what I want you to see, things that help us, I think, is, is the first thing that stands out here when you think about the fact that the Apostle Paul, uh, for 14 years after he left his two-week visit with Peter, just went to his area and got on with the work of God that God had given him. And that's the first thing I want to say. God wants his servants to just get on with the work he has assigned you. And, and, uh, and that's what you see with Paul. You know, far too many people spend too much time uh, observing what others are doing and sometimes beyond observing, obstructing uh, what others are doing instead of just doing the thing God has asked you to do. Now, there's no saved person here today that has nothing to do for God. All right? All right. We, we, we get it that not everybody is supposed to be a pastor or a missionary. Not everybody is a gifted evangelist. But, but everybody is to be working for the advancement of the kingdom of God. Every saved person is saved to serve. And, and your life as a saved person will not, will not ever feel quite right if you're not serving. You know, you're, you're in a twilight zone if you're saved but not serving. 
and you sort of, you know you're saved, you know you're not of the world, but you're not seem to be all that much engaged in the work of God either. And, uh, and you know, Paul just, just did what God asked him to do. He, he, you know, I don't want to say he found his place. He went to his assigned place. And uh, he did what he was supposed to do. And he didn't feel any need to, uh, to have to tell everybody else what God was asking him to do. He got it that, look, this is my calling, my, my area to work on. I just need to get on with it, see God work in our area. Listen, the chief business <clears throat> from that time to this time is seeing people come to Christ. And the reason that is important is uh, despite popular opinion, let me say clearly this morning, <clears throat> there is a hell. There, <clears throat> there is a place that people who die in their sins go to uh, that is a place of torment itself. You don't go to hell uh, because you're gay. You don't go to hell uh, because you don't come to church. Uh, you, <clears throat> you don't go to hell uh, because you don't wear a shirt and tie on a certain day. You go to hell because you die in your sins. And there are many people who have done many sins who have come to Christ and, uh, and, and it can be said of them that, that such were some of these, but now they're saved. And, and I don't want to haggle with people about individual sins. You know, the world will try to catch you on a hook and say, let's talk about this sin. You know, do you, do you believe that people who do this will go to hell? Listen, I believe that everybody who dies in their sins will go to hell because that's what God said. That means uh, grandma down the street uh, who waves to everybody uh, as you go past, that lovely lady that you all like uh, who you see uh, out there with her hat on watering the roses and it seems so friendly and lovely. Listen, she's going to hell too. And you need to be clear about that and, uh, and, and be clear because it's the first priority of the Christian life <coughs> is to be telling other people about Christ. God, God is not finished saving people. Okay, when, when, when he's finished with us in that regard, we will no longer be here. But while we are here, the work of the gospel continues. So Paul found his area and he just got on with it and it didn't seem to matter to him that, that the other apostles really didn't know too much about him. Uh, Paul, Paul didn't need that. He just got on with what God is asking him to do. Listen, uh, we all have our duty before the Lord. Uh, if you're a mother to young children... Raise your children for Christ. That's a noble and godly responsibility. And that's a, that's a duty before God. And that's honourable. And it was, it was honoured by Jesus. Jesus honoured the women of Israel. And, uh, and God honoured them for their, for their role. But, but we all have something to do for God. And I'm just saying, get on with it, whatever it is. Don't, don't be distracted by what others are doing or not doing. Uh, don't be distracted about people are saying about you or not saying about you. Uh, don't worry if, uh, if others are not uh, 
recognizing what you're doing in your place. None of that really matters. It just matters that you find your area and serve God. Let, let me tell you, as somebody who's been in a few places, uh, everywhere is a hard place. There, there are no easy places. You know, I, people used to t- tell s- stories, oh, such and so-and-so preached in India and a thousand got saved in that service and this many. Listen, any time I went to India, it was never that way. I don't, I don't think Brother Paul has had it that way in India. The fact of it is, it's hard everywhere. The, the same devil is everywhere. And uh, it's difficult everywhere. We, we, I can see Australia's in a, you know, a, a declining place. But we just need to get on with what God has asked you to do. You'll be glad you did that at the end of your life. So many other things that we put so many hours into and so much energy into doing will really not amount for anything. It's all, it will all be burned up. And, and I'm not saying, I get it, you've got to live, you've got to sleep somewhere, you need to eat, uh, you've got bills to pay, I, I understand that. But, you know, do all of that, do it to the glory of God, but find the thing that God just has you to do now and do it. And that's the first thing I see from Paul. He just got on with it, even as an apostle. Then the second thing I want you to see is that it says here in chapter 2 and verse 2, when he finally uh, did go up to Jerusalem, and remember, this is kind of head office, right? If you, We'll just put it that way. Uh, it says that after 14 years, he... Uh, uh, goes up to Jerusalem and verse number two, and I like this, he said, and I went up by revelation. And the reason that that is important to me, it tells me that he let God lead him in where he should go and when he should go. All right, he went up by revelation. So so it, it, it shows us, that Paul is being led of God and he's letting, he's letting God decide in his life, and this might be a good idea for you, he's letting God decide times and places. He's not acting impulsively. He doesn't just have a spontaneous good idea. Uh, he's letting God, lead. he went up by revelation and, uh, you know, we... Uh, we often make a lot of our decisions about what we're doing and where we are based on us and not terribly based on God's leading. Uh, I've I, I watched in Thailand, you know, I have a you know, strong deal of mercy for Thai people and I understand the difficulties of them doing life over there. And, uh, you know, for example, in Thailand, we have all our services Sunday morning simply because people cannot afford to be able to travel back to church again, to put a second trip on them as a financial burden when they're already there. So, so you know, we don't think too much about that. Uh, you, you know, you may have run short on fuel or, it, you know, it may have challenged you financially sometimes, but, but we don't give too much thought to that. But that's a real issue for them. So we don't have them come Sunday morning and stay on and then say, now you go home and in four hours you come back again because that will be cost to them in trying to survive. So I understand that there are 
there are cultural things you, you need to understand and, and just, just, you know, understand the burdens of, of them doing life and what it's like to live off $200 a month and, and you know, take care of a family and have to, you know, rent a room and, and work out how you even get from A to B. So some of our people travel on little tiny motorcycles, scooters, and they come a long way on bad roads. And, and they come to our church on roads that I would say, I would say I see once a month someone killed on that road, but it happens weekly, just the road coming into our church. And, uh, and I always am concerned for them. You know, they'll come in Friday night and, and do church, and, and then when church is over, you know, they don't get in the car and turn on the air conditioning and, and you know, wind up the windows and lock the doors and go home in comfort. No, they, they get on the back of a scooter, uh, and this will be a husband and wife. And sometimes the mother of like a couple of small children. And then they, they make their way back. And, and I'll, I'll often pass them in the car as I go home and I'll look out and I realise they've still got a long way to go. I hope they'll be okay. And they're dealing with drunks on the roads and, and trucks over there run you over and, and they just keep going. They don't stop. They black out all the windows. They don't stop. And it's dangerous. So there are, there are, there are things like that I understand. But recently I've been saying this to Thai people. There's a limited number of churches in Thailand and I've been saying to them, look, I haven't said this for years, but I think I am going to say it to you now. I said, listen, you, you move all over Thailand for a job. You know, if a, if a job will come up, you move and you will, you, will, you will relocate and you will go through the upheaval of changing and you, you'll be hundreds of kilometres away from your home uh, for a job, a factory job or something. Uh, I said, how about now you let God lead you and maybe it's time to relocate for church. Maybe it's time that, that, if, that if you're going to go through some upheaval, wouldn't it be better that you get yourself in church? And I'm not saying that because I just need to count another person sitting on a pew. I'm saying that because Christian people do not do well out of church. When you, when you take them out of church, they decline. And listen, even when you don't feel like being here, be here. Even when you, when you just, oh, I just don't know, do it. Just, you just will be better for being in church. And I don't say all your problems are solved, and, and you'll, you know, but you'll be better. When you get out of church, you decline. And so... so we just ought to be God-led in what we do. I remember in the, when I pastored here, I would say in the first month of, maybe the first three months of pastoring here, many years ago, a family who was a regular attender here at the church, even before I got here, came up to me and the brother said, can I ask your counsel? We're looking at you know, relocating to a rural property. Uh, we can get it for this price and da-da-da-da-da and it's several hours away. And he said, I just want to know, what do you think about that? And I said, uh, is there any church up there? He said, well, we don't know of any, but we, we, we could look once we got there. And uh, he had a number of small children and uh, he said, you know, he was telling me we'd have five acres. That used to be the dream of, you know, five acres and, and with a nice home in the countryside and get away from the pollution and all of that and and uh, he went through it and he said, well, I just, Pastor, what do you think? And I said, look, I, I don't want to be 
kind of making those decisions for your life, but if you press me on it, I think it's not a good idea. And he said, yeah, that's what Pastor Blake and Pastor Hunter said too. <laughs> and I thought, why are you asking me this? Now, 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 what do you think he did, by the way, uh, after being advised three times? Is that you? When you don't get the right answer in counsel? Do you just, do you find another? Uh, I knew a man who had to change churches three times before he'd get ordained. Because the first two churches said, I can't ordain you. You, you walk disorderly. And, and he just kept changing till he finally got someone to put the stamp on. You know, is that you? You know, do you, do you shop around? Just, just who leads you is what I'm saying. Who leads your decision making? Who, who leads you about time and place? And Paul was led of God. A lot of people are just led. You know what you're led by? Your feelings. You're led by what you feel like doing. And, and there's, the whole world will tell you to do that. They'll say, if you feel like doing it, do it. And, and that's how they are. But is that really how you should be led? Uh, Paul let God decide that. Sometimes we're led, by, we're led by the patterns that we've established in our life. You know, we can become a victim of our own patterns where we just keep doing things the way we've always done it and we just keep getting the same old things and we complain about what we're getting in our life or not getting out of life instead of recognising our patterns keep putting us back in the same places over and over again. You know, we, we have to be changed. We have to be transformed. We need a renewed mind. And it's ongoing. We never get to the place where, where you know, all, all areas are conquered and now Christ only rules over everything I do. It's ongoing, but we want to be led of God. The Bible says in uh, Romans 8 verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And the idea is that, that a marker of somebody who is walking with God, who knows God, is that they're not being led just by their feelings, their passions, their ways, but they're being led of God, the leading of the Spirit. Now, when the Spirit of God leads you, sometimes you will be led to a testing place. Matthew chapter 4, that's what happened to Jesus and others. Uh, but if the Spirit of God is leading you, even if it's a testing place, it will become a triumphant place. Uh, the cross was that. The cross was a testing place, but it turned out to be a triumphant place. And uh, you'll often be led of God. It can happen where you say, well, this is a, a hard place. Yes, but this will be a good place. This will be a triumphant place. And anybody who's ever had God... Uh, blessed significantly in their life, often started in a testing place. So Paul was led of God. What leads you? Your passions, your feelings. Uh, you, you just think about it like everybody thinks about it. Oh, do you? Oh, do you? Well, it's just what we've always done, is it? What leads you? How are you led? And let me say, and I won't sort of 
hunker down too much here, but if you watch him, if you watch him, he's not only led of God about the time and place, like by revelation, he goes up to Jerusalem. He's led of God in the way he conducts himself when he got there. What does that mean? It means that, that he had to encounter people who were hostile to what he was doing. Uh, he was going to step into a situation where he really wasn't that very well known. And if you just look at his behavior in how he, how he met, it says that first of all, he had a private meeting with some people. There's a good principle. Before you blow it all out in public, he had a private meeting. Well, how did you miss that? I mean, I mean, these are the things that m- people who walk with God do. He had a private meeting uh, to explain in a humble way what he was doing. And, and then not only that, he, he submits himself to others who have lots to say, uh, but seemingly not much to offer, but he submits himself to let them speak and have their say. And I mean, these, these are lessons for us in the way we should be living our life. And when things come up, a private meeting, uh, humility, letting others speak, giving them a hearing, you know, before you, you I get it, you've got answers to everything, but be, before you dish out your, your, your wisdom, just, just listen and just take some time to listen. It's amazing what you will learn if you listen. We're not good at listening. We've become better at telling than listening and talking than listening. But you'll get a whole lot wiser if you listen more and talk less. And there's lessons there. And then I want you to see that having gone up there to Jerusalem, let's move. He said in verse number two, I went up by revelation and communicated unto them, notice the next two words, that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles. Now, the reason that he has to do that, and number three is he told them what he was preaching. The reason he has to do that is because they want to be clear if, this, if you're saying that God is working with these non-Jewish people who have not been circumcised and, and not been raised in the traditions of Moses and the law, if you're telling us that God is working in the same way with them like he's doing with the Jews who believe, okay, brother, let's be clear, what is it you're preaching to them? Well, that's a legitimate question. All right? He said, I, 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 commu- I can communicate, can communicate unto them that gospel which I preach. So they could listen and they could determine, okay, brother, tell us what you're telling them. And the other apostles could listen, those who were there, and people could listen and they could say, okay, yep, all right, well, well that's the same message. That's it. That's the same one. And, and, and the fact that he had to do that tells us this. There are other preachings going on. Listen carefully. There's no new thing. There were other preachings going on where they called it the gospel also, but it wasn't the same message that Jesus had given the apostles. Are we listening? 
they were saying it's the gospel, but actually it wasn't the gospel. See, not all preaching that is uh, called the gospel is the same one Jesus gave. Uh, Today we have the gospel of loving community. Well, I'm all for loving community. It's better than hateful communities. I'm I'm for that. Uh, You know, I grew up in a time where we seem to have a bit more of that. But but, uh, listen, that's not the gospel Jesus gave. It's not a bad thing to do. But let's not say that's the gospel. Let's not, let's not say that. Let's be clear about something this morning. Let's just, let's just all remind ourselves and anyone else who might be listening, let's just, let's just be really clear this morning that Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So, so that would mean salvation is an event. And if it has not taken place in your life or is not taking place in the life of other people, they are not saved. And it doesn't matter how many Christmas baskets they've had from the church and it doesn't matter how many thousands of people walk through the Christmas lights demonstration presentation you have at the church. uh, None of that equals salvation. Now, they're not bad things to do. They, they may facilitate the opportunity for you to give the gospel, but, but the concern I have today is that, that we have half of it, but not the other half. In other words, people are not preaching clearly the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ will offend some people. The cross is an offense to some. The cross is a, is a stumbling block to others. But the, the gospel... That, that Paul was preaching was the same one that Jesus had laid out very clearly. And let's, let's, let's realign unashamedly with that. It's not helping anybody uh, if, we're, if we're, you know, in contact with thousands of people, but we're not preaching the gospel. If they're not saved, they're going to hell. If they're not born again, they're lost. No, no, but they come in here every week. Then they come in here every week lost. And they go out lost if there hasn't been a salvation event. And, and why, Pastor Shemish, do we even have to say that? Well, why indeed? Why, why indeed? What, 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 has, what has the church become indeed? What has it become? We, we, have, we, have, we, have, we looked for a place where the world would just accept us and like us. And we were willing to, to change or water down or hold back part of the message of God to get to that place. And let's be really clear. It's good to do good things. Uh, we do lots of good works in Thailand for people of all persuasion, Suzanne uh, teaches uh, classes of little little Buddhist kids in a Buddhist temple uh, three times a week, uh, works with the poor kids who can't even afford a poor school. So they, they go there and, and we, we go freely to, to give to them, to, to teach them, to, to help them and, uh, and we do that. And, and I believe you should be good to everybody. But let's be really clear. 
unless a man is born again, except only this way, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He'll never get to heaven. So I'll be turned away at the pearly gates. Brother, you're not going to get to the pearly gates. You, you, you know, uh, the, the, the most you'll ever see of God's goodness is what you saw on this earth. Because from here it goes to hell and that's it forever and ever and ever and ever. Well, I think God will give him another chance. There's no second chance. If you're not saved, you're lost forever in a place of torment. And that's the lady down the road that you all like. If you haven't told her, she's lost. So we need to be clear about that. And Paul was saying, I'm seeing conversions. We're seeing churches started. And maybe they said, well, brother, what gospel are you preaching? And he was able to make it really clear because Paul said in, in the other part of the Bible, there were other gospels. Uh, 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 he said here in Galatians 1 that uh, in uh, verse 8 and 9, look at that because you already opened. He said, uh, chapter 1, verse 8 and 9, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. You know, because people were doing that. As we said before, so say I now again. If any man preach any other gospel unto you than that you have received, let him be accursed. Why is he saying that? Because even in Paul's time, there were lots of other different gospels floating around. Listen, you, if you're saved, you got saved by hearing the real one. That's why you're saved. Don't, don't you be persuaded that, that you know, uh, uh, other things will just somehow, it'll be okay. Uh, don't be, listen, there's worse things in a church than empty pews. You know, just, just, just uh, crowds don't always equal fruit. Now, when they do, praise God wherever it's happening. You know, thank God. All right, and then let's move on. Number four, quickly, verse number, uh, chapter 2, verse 4. Notice this. And this is just uh, as we just follow him in his meeting. I want you to see that even in the church at Jerusalem, head office, where you know, many of the apostles were, look who else is there. And what you say, what is it? Verse 4, false brethren. See, even in this early time, <clears throat> the presence of false brethren in the church. So we just, we just uh, maybe 30 years, we're a short time after Christ and almost from the beginning, it was a phenomena that where there were true believers, there were false brethren. Now let's just say it. And, and let's not, we're not saying it so that we go, yes, I've long suspected. <laughs> but we're not, we're, not, we're not saying it for that reason. We're not, we're not saying it to, uh, you know, suspect everybody. But, but we're just saying it so we understand that it's not, uh, it's not unusual. If suddenly someone who seemed to be uh, somewhat, should we, should we say, you know, uh, a prominent people, whoever, and, and it turns out that they really were not, not saved. There were false brethren. And mark it down, if they're, if they're in the church here in head office with the presence of the apostles, I, I know what you're thinking. 
You're thinking, no, no, if the apostles were there, they would, they would just be discerning it. Well, clearly they weren't. And there are other occasions where one had to point out to another that this guy's not of God. So, so, so it's a crafty business. Uh, Judas was amongst them and no one knew. The son of perdition. So, so let's not be shocked. Let's be biblical. Let's understand that, that this thing can happen. And it said that they had come in to the church privily, uh, unawares. They had not been detected. And it was, a, it was a challenge to the churches to have this as it remains to this day. You know, everyone on YouTube is not of God. Everyone who claims to be a, a teacher is not of God. You know how many people are messing themselves up from, from following the patterns and ways of the world and, you know, YouTubing their way to, to doctrine and life. And, and people are getting all... You know, I, I just watch it. It's like a circle. You know, you know what's re-emerging now? What's, what's re-emerging now is a, uh, is a, is a mid-tribulation rapture. That's, that's, that's coming back around. Where people are now talking about that we don't get raptured before the tribulation, we get raptured somehow in the middle of it. No, no, you get raptured before it. Okay, it's seven years of the outpouring of the wrath of God. It's a judgment on the earth. He doesn't judge you. You've been judged already in Christ on the cross. He's taking you out. But that's resurfacing again. Where's it coming from? It's coming from internet preachers. That's where it's coming from. Uh, uh, and it's getting all over the world. And uh, people get misled. Listen, not everybody is of God that you tune in on the internet. It's, it's, it's terribly sad how easily deceived so many of the Lord's people can be. Particularly when you're a little bit vulnerable or you, you feel a little bit on the fringe or you're going through a hard time in whatever area of life. You know, be careful about, about these new things. Uh, even in this time, there were the, the false brethren. These false brethren were legalists. And uh, Titus was there uncircumcised. And they weren't making Titus feel very welcome. You know what I'm saying? They equated uh, spirituality with, uh, you know. And I'm sure they were looking at Titus. <laughs> and Paul was saying, no, 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 we're not, we're not going back under your personal bondages. Are you listening? You're not, you're not putting us all back under your personal hang-ups, your legalities, your definitions, extra-biblical of what a Christian is. We're not, we're not accepting that. We have a liberty in Christ and the Holy Spirit will lead us and the Bible will lead us and, and God will lead us and we're not going to add things to the gospel and add things and be careful you don't do it. You know, I have convictions that, that uh, not everybody has. And I don't have some that some of my friends have. But I tell you what, I, I, I'd be really careful to understand what are my personal convictions and not try to impose them on other people who do not share that conviction. Now, I, 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 my opinion is you should. But I'm not going to impose that upon you. 
God can lead you. Well, well, pastor, is that enough? Well, I've found he's always been enough. God can lead. And then lastly, let's finish this morning as we learn from just this little interaction. Paul has so much more here. Is uh, <clears throat> verse number six that we concluded on. And I just want you to see here, uh, <clears throat> the Thais love this, by the way. They, it was almost like they'd never read it before. And it said, uh, Paul says, look, there were some folks there. This is Brother Shemish's paraphrase. Uh, and I don't know really who they were, but they, they seemed to be something. Um, but it didn't add anything to me. They added nothing to me. And here's the closing thought. What, what do you bring to the table? They added nothing to me. Paul said that they just, I don't know, they seem to be someone, but, but, but they just didn't add anything to me. You know, we all should be bringing something to the table. We all, we all should be adding something to the church. We all should be adding something to family. We should be, we should be adding something to the places that we are. We, the sum total of our life should not be zero. You know, I've met some people in life and I think I, I don't understand how you can just stay in a place of zero. Like, like bring something to the, to the table. Use what you have. Use your gifts. Use your abilities and do something for the Lord. I used to, I used to go fishing and I'd have to hire a boat years, many years ago when I was a teen. I'd get my friends, we'd put in enough money to be able to hire a boat and go fishing and we'd get a little boat. The ones we used to hire started off being wooden, then eventually they got the aluminium. But one thing they all had in common, I could only afford a rowboat. So that's no engine. <laughs> and, uh, and it means uh, the oars were there. And listen, in the day, the boats were heavy. The oars were really heavy. And, uh, and somebody, if you're going to go anywhere, listen to me, if you're going to go anywhere, someone's got to row. And, and what we worked out was this. If we shared the rowing, we got where we needed to go okay. But it was terribly difficult if one man was rowing and everybody else was dead weight. And it just makes it so much harder to get anywhere when, when everyone else is just sitting, you know, waiting to arrive at somewhere and you're doing the rowing. You know what makes it worse? You start rowing and then a contrary wind comes. And, and when winds blow up on waters, it's, it's quite a hindrance. Let's not be the people in the church, in the work of God, who just sit in the boat and let others do all the rowing. Let's, let's, let's pray and have a desire and a willingness to bring something to the kingdom of God. He said, they added nothing to me. What a sad thing to say about someone's life. Let's not let it be said about you. Bring what you have. Bring something to the work of God. We all do different things. We have different abilities. 
Uh, it was not the will of God that you should be anyone else. You are you. And we understand that. But let's all bring something to the work of God and do our part. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll have, however we finish, we finish. We'll have pastor or someone come. Father, as our heads bowed, the end of preaching time this morning, uh, we're thankful that we're able to just open the word of God, your word that you kept for us. Uh, Lord, you, you told us that your words are spirit and life. And we're thankful that we're able to read them and learn and they are rich with wisdom on how we can live our lives. I pray for all those here this morning. Uh, I pray for my family. I pray for every family present. God, please, may we retain that which you've spoken to our heart about. Uh, may we be more Christ-like despite the condition of the world and the nation around us. Uh, help us, help us to do our part. And Lord, if you've said anything practical to anybody today, if you've, if you've asked them to do something, to step up, to, or maybe, Lord, you've just reminded some people of the importance of what they're already doing. Uh, Lord, I just ask that we would be uh, submissive and faithful to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. Uh, bless each family. I ask for your blessing on the health of those who are here today. I pray, Lord, that whatever their health condition is, that as they leave here, it might be a bit better. Bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.